0: now we've got it going. Um, so I guess I'll repeat what I said for a few minutes there. Thank you everyone for showing up today. <laughs> Apologize for the uh, silence there at the beginning. Um, hello to everyone in the chat. And if this is your first time here, I appreciate you stopping by. Uh, today is going to be the first of what I hope is many different DD and role playing type content I'm going to start bringing into my channel. I've been playing d for close to 30, 30 plus years at this point. Um, and I primarily DM. I like to run the thing, so I started a world back in the early 90s and have been building upon it, and as my groups have changed from different people to different people, that story has just progressed. For them, they knew their part of the story, but it was all one cohesive storyline for me. So um, I've wanted to share the story for a long time, uh, but I find that I have a much better time telling the story than I do writing it. it never turns out quite as well on paper as it does when I'm speaking it. So I thought this would be a good medium to share that with you guys. Um, if you're watching this and you have any questions about characters, classes, specifics, how did a magic item work, something in the story, feel free to throw that out there. That's another good reason I wanted to do this in as a live stream is I wanted to be able to answer questions in real time uh, for people who may play and have specific questions um, about how I have my setup. Um, but I'm going to give it a couple minutes for... Some folks, which I know uh, I just started up, so I'm going to give it a few minutes before I start getting right into this story. Um, but Merged Worlds, which is the name of kind of what I call my my world or my reality that I started. It uh, started, started back when I was in high school. Um, I started playing with uh, my friend Scott and I started running the story, and then had more friends. A friend Keith came in, and we had a group of people that uh, started playing these original characters. And that's where I'm going to start with the story today, kind of where it all began. But the story itself spans across different groups and different generations. Um, and even though at some point I stopped playing, I, in my head and on paper, continued writing it. So I have a lot of story, because, uh, again, that's, I've been running that over 20-plus years. So I'm excited to finally get to share it with everyone. Um, I'm going to make references to sometimes actors and actresses. A lot of times I will choose someone when I'm designing an NPC or a character. Um, so that way when I say, hey, this is what this person looks like, it's easier for other people to kind of be on the same page as me when we're imagining things. Um, so hopefully that'll make a little bit more sense. Um, so if I'm referencing an actor actress you don't know, I apologize. <laughs> um, sometimes I may not know the actor's name. I may say that guy from that thing, that lady from that show. So hopefully... We'll be able to figure a lot of that out, but I'm pretty excited to be able to do this. So I thank everyone who's stopped by and is watching, everyone who's been supporting the channel and uh, talking about watching this D&D stuff specifically. Um, It's been something I've been wanting to do for a long time. Uh, So right off the bat, before I get started, does anyone have any questions about, I guess, how I run or D&D stuff? If you have anything, throw them in chat. Um, I have historically always run a second edition campaign... I've dabbled and stolen things from some of the later editions um, to kind of make my own homebrew. So my world and the existence I use does touch upon a lot of the pre-existing Dungeons & Dragons worlds. Uh, primarily Dragonlance and Forgotten Realms. Uh, but I do steal things and, from, and take different worlds and stuff in. And you're going to understand why a little bit more when we get deeper into the story. Um, it'll How I do that makes a lot more sense. But really, the the whole premise of this story really starts with two brothers and a group of magical artifacts and an event that leads to an event of that basically rewrites reality. Um, and then from that point, it moves on to groups of people trying to figure out what happened, can it be fixed, and is there a way home? Uh, it's kind of the synopsis of the whole thing. But uh, I'm pretty excited about it. So hopefully you all enjoy it. Again, if you have any questions about anything I'm talking about, there's a very small delay. But throw them out uh, in chat and I'll be happy to try to answer the questions. And I have a few things of photos that I can show as part of this as well. Um, Different doodles and art that I've had people draw and design over the years. Uh, I've got maps and all sorts of a mess of stuff here. So I have a lot to kind of go into. So we're going to go for about an hour or two hours today to get initiated. I think that after today I'm probably going to try to do this depending on how well people like it. Um, I'll do it every other Sunday. If people really get into it, I might start doing it every Sunday. Uh, but I'll, I'll keep these relatively short after this first one. We'll probably stick to an hour per time because I know this can... Not as much to look at here. This is not as pretty as the games that I normally play. So we'll go ahead and uh, get started here in just a second. All right. So, Merge Worlds itself, the name of the... <coughs> excuse me, campaign... Actually came about well into it. Uh, I didn't have an overall name until a big thing happened that kind of changed uh, the way that the game was working for us. And damn being a little vague there because that's down the road. Um, but that that really is what kind of brought everything in. So I'm going to go ahead and get started then. And <clears throat> this first part of the story um, is of course the original story that started back in the early to mid 90s, and <clears throat> it's going to be a little bit more over head. It's not going to be as detailed, because back then, I had a lot of notes that unfortunately got destroyed in a flooding in a house, so a lot of this I'm having to do from memory at this point. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, But again, I've told this story in group settings with friends and PCs, and and letting people know how it goes so many times that I have it down. But I'm going to try to go a little bit more detailed than I normally do, because I really want to set this stage. Um, This world itself that I'm using, uh, even though I use pieces of pre-existing Dragonlance, Forgotten Realms, so on and so forth. I do have my own pantheon of gods, my own magic stuff, I have all that, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, but we'll go ahead and get started. So how this begins uh, is really on a specific world. There is one world, um, and we're going to get to kind of how it gets into, but we're going to kind of go back even a little bit further, the beginning of time, as per the story. Um, in the beginning of existence, the gods came together and decided to create our reality. Where the gods came from before that is unknown. All that is known is it was a plate, place of great strife in a constant chaos in battles. And seeking more of a harmonious existence, a group of gods came together, the gods of light, the gods of darkness, and the gods of gray, which is your good evil neutrality, came together to create our existence. Combining their magic and their forces, they created the stars, the worlds, the suns, all of that in one basic explosion of magic. And that magic rippled outward from the center place and created the different worlds and solar systems and so on. Um, Seeding these worlds were different races and creatures The God's liked variety. And so different worlds had different races than others. And maybe some worlds even had different rules. The way magic worked on this world works different than the magic on this one. It was kind of like experiments for the gods. On this world, we're going to do this and see what happens. On this world, we're going to throw in some of these and see what happens. So different races were created and spread throughout the universe, but not all races were on every world. Uh, Just like some worlds have no magic. It could be a world that is basically a dead magic zone kind of thing. So these things are all spread out through existence. But one world in specific very, very quickly um, became a focus for the gods. Um, and that one is named was, was Malinar. And it was a god that world of Malinar. The gods were shocked to find that even though the world was new and the races had just begun and existence just began to play out its, it's a story, if you will, on this world, there was already something there. There were a group of artifacts, of weapons and rings, a group of items, that were immensely powerful and indestructible even to the gods. But the most troubling thing is the gods did not create them. The gods could not figure out how these magical artifacts came into being be and why they would be on this world in specific. But they realized very quickly they could not destroy these weapons or these artifacts, and there was no place that they could effectively just hide them because of mortals' natural curiosity. The fear was that they would eventually find them. So the gods called upon the seven, and the seven were a group of demigods that served the gods. They were um, the watchers, if you will. Uh, Demigods that were given missions and jobs and oversaw things throughout the universe for the gods. And the demigods themselves could influence, could affect, but could not directly intervene in specific moral. They were watchers, but they could, you know, pop in, talk to people, hey, go do this. They could give orders, missions, so on and so forth. But they couldn't really drastically physically affect the world. Uh, That was against their, their design, what they were created for. And the demigods, of course, came into this reality with the gods as well. Which, of course, has led many to suspect what other types of races of beings could be from where the gods came from. Um, were they gods there? Were they just minions who escaped more powerful gods? No one knows, because that the time before time, the gods do not speak of. So, they called the Seven, and then they called one of the Seven specifically, whose name is Zoltan. I apologize, some of the names in the early world could be a little bit corny. Because I was younger and learning how to do this. But Zoltan's important, so we're going to use him. So Zoltan was of the Seven. And they gave him a specific role. While you still have things to do, unlike many of the other demigods who are around the universe, working in different worlds and such and, and dealing with different godly duties, his primary goal was to protect and keep these magical weapons and artifacts away from the hands of mortals. Because the gods realized they were just too powerful and did not need to be in the hands of those who could abuse them. Um, While the gods did not fear the weapons or the artifacts themselves, they did fear what they were capable of doing. So Zoltan took this and deep within the world of Malinar himself, he created um, basically a cavern, a globe-like room, and in there he kept the magical artifacts deep within the world far from any mortal creature eyes, and he shielded it with his own magic, um, which Being a demigod is still quite potent, um, but of course not the level of the gods themselves. He couldn't create reality, but he can create uh, quite effective things, and we'll see more on that later in the story. Um, So Zoltan took on this, and he didn't stay there in that room staring at him the whole time. It would be boring for the gods, but uh, he did continuously keep a watch on them. He's a god. He can see different areas at a time, but he still had to go out and do other things as well, Um, and time moved forward. Time marched on and the worlds began to play out their their stories. Some worlds, of course, there's wars, there's births, there's deaths, and time moves on and things change. But in the cavern, things stayed the same, protected by Zoltan's magic. Until one day that it changed, that it didn't. Shocked, Zoltan could sense a change in and immediate fear was Has a mortal discovered this cavern? And quickly rushing back into Malinar and going into that chasm, he found that one of the artifacts was missing. Now, when I picture this, imagine a room, flat but domed. It's like a snow globe kind of thing. You know, flat dome. And on one wall, flattened a bit, with a carving for each of the artifacts. Each one fitting in. Um, swords, shield... Uh, let me see. I'll give a quick example here. Um, imagine a, a big wheel. And... I'm going to show a picture here real quick. This was drawn by one of my players a very long time ago, but very much effectively. A round thing with multiple weapons, spear or lance in the center, uh, five rings, this round weird thing that I'll talk about later, but different types of weapons and rings. And these were kind of, like I said, affixed into the stone. They just kind of stayed there. And he returned, and one of them was missing. And he didn't know how. Nothing had broken through his spells. Nothing had changed within, there were no footprints, there was no traces of mortals, there was no traces of the other gods. Although he had to be concerned, had another god reached in and removed them, which is possible. The only thing that could have, he felt could have broken through his magic. So he immediately notified the gods, one of the items is missing. They were very angry. They're like, hey, we gave you a job. Find it and get it back. So using his magic, sensing out, he found the artifact out in the world of Malinar and in the possession of a mortal. Very quickly, watching, he realized the mortal had found it, had come across it. He didn't know how it had gotten to the mortal's hand, but he knew that the mortal didn't get in there and take it. The mortal was clearly not that powerful. And so not being able to directly intervene, this mortal was already using the item um, in ways that were not approved, if you will, very negative, dark, trying to control, powerful, villainous, whatever. Um, and so Zoltan enlisted the help of a hero. And said, hey, I will reward you. I need you to get this back for me. <clears throat> hero did that. A little adventure occurs. The item comes back. Zoltan returns it to the chasm. Life moves on. As time continues to progress, and again, this is over hundreds of years, mind you. This isn't like Tuesday to Thursday. This is great specks of time. Occasionally, Zoltan would find that one of the items, the artifacts, would go missing. Sometimes two. Not always the same ones. There's nothing specific that's showing how or why it happened. Only that somehow they were getting out into the world. They weren't being taken from this world. They weren't moved to any other world. They weren't taken to any other plane of existence. They were just purely being set out into the world almost like toys, saying, play with these and see what happens. Almost like an experiment. Zoltan and the other watchers, he got with them as well, began to watch for signs, things that might hint that a specific god was doing this. But... He would always have to find someone to get them back for him because he couldn't do it himself. He would reward a mortal, grab a couple mortals, depending on how many are out there. I need you to go get this. I need you to gather these. Get them back for me. Put them back in the chasm. Reduce, redo his magic and hope this time they stay in there. But they never do. So this continues on and on and on throughout generations. And the one thing Zoltan notices that over time, more and more of them are escaping at a time. So they're getting out into the world. Someone's taking them and throwing them out. Are they, you know, whatever. they're not sentient, they've tested it the weapons don't have any type of um, ego or intelligence they're not that type of a magical artifact but they are somehow getting out into the world and it's, it's becoming a pain in his butt to be honest, he's like listen I'm having to dedicate more and more time to this I can't be here all the time but I've got to find a way to stop this and that's where we get to almost the heart of where our story really begins and that's kind of the history of existence and how it came up there Um, Before I move forward, I will ask, does anyone have any questions about any of that slop I just threw at you while I take a drink? Okay. So, here we enter into our first characters, the primary. There are two brothers. They live on the same world, Melinar. And the eldest brother's name is Rafe, that is R-A-F-E, for those of you who want to know. And the last name is Firemoon, one word. And his younger brother, a year younger than him, his name is Nilat N-I-L-A-T. So, Rafe and Nilat Firemoon. Two brothers, uh, son of a woodsman. They live in the very north of one of the continents on Malinar. Um, their mother died soon after Nilat was born, so the father raised them. Um, and they lived in just a small village that really gathered lumber and wood and, you know, furs and things like that. There was Um, Not primitive by any means, but, you know, country folk living out there. But even with that, um, they served in the militia because their father did as well. So they were both raised to um, know how to use weapons and found that both of them had a very natural affinity for it. Uh, So even at a young age, they very quickly gained ranks in the local militia and such and became very dependable for the defense. You know, occasionally an ogre comes out of the woods. You got some bugbears attack, whatever the case may be. They were always the first ones there to kind of take care of that. Rafe himself was a very natural fighter. Uh, just warrior type, for those of you who play D&D. Straight fighter class. Okay. Um, he was a sword and shield user. That was his primary weapon set. Although he was versatile in multiple different weapons. Uh, Nylat, not quite as large as him, um, was more of a, if you would say, fighter thief. In class, while well, not a rogue or a thief and stealing stuff. He had the dexterity and the things of that nature. Um, using, liking to use two short or two shorter swords or daggers was kind of his primary choice weapons. Uh, but both of them very affinity. Uh, although Nylett was very easily to be the scout or the sneaky one, if you will. And they grew up with their father. Lived in this in this town. Now, um, if you're wondering, just to get a mental picture of what these folks look like, um, Rafe Firemoon. I use Thomas Jane. Um, pre early early Thomas Jane that's kind of how I picture him you know he's just muscular he has a bit of a long longer hair but he's you know decent looking dude and then nylat is like a younger Christian bale so he's got darker hair whereas whereas Rafe has a, a brownish hair like their mother had um, nylat has a dark hair like their father um, and again this is pre Batman so he'd be way before he's jacked this is when he was you know thinner younger probably late teens early 20s Um... I'd say even a little bit more closer to Equilibrium, maybe a little bit before that if you're looking for an example. But these two were the brothers, and they're our main characters of the story. Um, living there with their father, they always wanted to you know, do more. They always felt like, drawn towards adventure, kind of why they got into the militia and the things that they did. But of course, you know, taking care of their father, who was aging, uh, and living in that town, taking care of their townsfolk, that was kind of uh, took care of that. You know, kind of dampened those feelings. So they had a bit of a wanderlust, but they didn't really feel the need to go. Unfortunately, um, one day in the woods, there was an accident. Uh, While well, several of the woodsmen were cutting down woods, something broke, a tree fell, and unfortunately, their father was killed. I will give you a moment to mourn. Just kidding. Okay. So the father passed away. Um, both Nilad and Rafe crushed, torn. Um, at this point, their father was the biggest thing that was kind of tying them to there. Uh, a lot of the younger people that they'd grown up with had already left or, you know, gone on to try to make their fortunes or started their own families and such, and they just they just didn't feel that. They felt that, okay, at this point it's time for us to move on. We need to go out and get into the world. Yeah, for the father, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Rafe and Nihilite decided to pack up their stuff. Uh, their father only owned a small bit of land. Uh, they signed it over to a, a friend of the family who was like an uncle, said, okay, keep this. And they said, if you ever want to return, we'll buy it back, whatever, but, uh, We don't expect that. We want to go out and kind of make our fortunes, make our way out into the world. So Rafe and Nihilat began to go south. So they said they're in the very north. And they make their way down to um, the major city. You know, they travel through some villages and it takes them a couple weeks, but they're heading towards a major city uh, because every year at this city there is a gauntlet of games, if you will. Uh, Gladiatorial stuff, you know, different weapon things, archery, yada yada. Um, And it's not like a championship and that but it was really a way of testing the warriors and such of the area so that merchants or noblemen or caravans would then say okay this person's really talented they're really skilled and that would kind of denote what their pay would be over the next season so if we hired you to to guard our caravan or I hire you as a personal bodyguard because I'm wealthy the better you ranked in these games and showed me these skills the more likely you were to get paid so it was a very very sought after thing, and and again, hundreds, if not many hundreds, of people would just show up and participate in these games, hoping to get a decent rank, so that way they could earn a good wage over the next season or the next year. Um, not having a lot of contacts outside of their hometown, Rafe and Nihilite decide to go there. And as they arrive, you know, they make their way in, they sign up, they have some just basic weapons and such of their own basic gear, no magic items. They started off very early. Again, they were they didn't have you know, big powerful stuff for characters yet when it came to that, but they uh, entered into the different games and they, you, you can't do all of them. You have to choose specific ones. I'm going to do archery. I'm going to do melee combat. I'm going to do hand-to-hand combat. I'm chariot racing. You know, whatever. Um, things of that nature. So, there's usually, I believe if I remember correctly, it was you could cho- enter five of the different events and there were like 30 different events. Um, and so they kind of chose different events because they didn't want to really compete against each other. Um, but both of them ended up in some form of combat. Um, and they ranked very well. Even though it was their first year, they weren't winners. I mean, they were, they're not going to be the first of the hundreds. But they did rank top 50 to top 60 each, which is very impressive for a first year. Um, and so very quickly um, after the, the games, they, they got some coins. There's a little bit of reward from that as well. And you can bet on yourself and make a little bit of money. Um, they They were very quickly... Selected. People came to them and offered them positions. And a caravan company, uh, shipping if you will, uh, tradesmen, offered them very good pay to help guard their caravan between this city and the city to the south. If they did well, then they could continue coming back north and south, and so on and so forth. This guy traded between these two main cities. When you imagine this continent, imagine the continent itself is not huge. is a relatively small world. Smaller than Earth by far. But um, the city there now is the northern city, there is a mid-round city, and then there's a southern city. These are the three big cities. Um, if you would, it's it's not a round continent; it's more of a long, rounded, you know, oval, I guess, um, which kind of hooks down to the tail at the bottom. <clears throat> so, the uh, they they take that job and they start working their way down. And they have a couple little mini adventures, as you would, you know, you know caravan gets attacked by some goblins or something, so on and so forth. Um, But they make their way down to the city. It takes about a month to travel. Or a couple weeks to a month, because there's a lot of stuff. A few weeks to a month. And they do a very good job. Um, They get hired again, they go back north, they come back south. They do this a couple of times. And on one of the adventures, they end up having to help these people on the side of the road because this person had been um, stabbed and they kidnapped their daughter and they had to go save them. There's some little side adventures, as would happen in Dungeons & Dragons or in gaming. And... They gained a couple of items, nothing of major power or anything like that, but they had the money to get themselves some decent gear at this point. <clears throat> so after they returned north and then south for the next time, they decided that while they were you know, making decent money, this isn't really what they wanted to do for their whole life, just constantly traveling back and forth and protecting the caravan. So they decided to end their contract or not renew their contract. And no hard feelings. They were always offered to come back. They were very, the caravan master was very happy with the work they did. But they decided that they wanted to go out and adventure a bit more. Want to go up there and say, hey, what is out there for us? This can't be all there is to life. You know, we don't want to constantly be traveling. Eventually we want to settle down and, and have land, but we want to have some adventures first. So they continue from the middle city to kind of go southwestern, which I guess for you would be that way, because I'm pointing the opposite direction. And as they're traveling, you know, they get to points where there's roads. Okay, do we take the main road or do we take the side road? And you know, not knowing the area, they're traveling along. No real major issues happen. <clears throat> but they're kind of bumbling along. And at one point, they realize that the road they've taken is just kind of getting narrow and rickety, or it doesn't have as much uh, traffic. Clear, they haven't seen people in a couple of days. You know, a lot of times you cross people traveling between the cities or towns. The small villages and homes they see are getting less and less often. <clears throat> Until one day, about midday, they're traveling through on horses. they all walking. They got enough money for some decent horses. They see up ahead the road kind of forks sharply. And at that intersection is a large rock. And they can see there's a man sitting on top of the rock. Now this man is dressed in gray robes. He's sitting cross-legged. And he's sitting there with his eyes closed. His hair is grayed as well. And he's not an attractive man, but he's not an ugly man. If you were to see him, you would say he's just normal. He's the kind of person that would just blend into the crowd and doesn't stand out positive or negative. He's just there. And as they draw closer, and they don't know where they are, they decide to hail him. Hello, sir, father. We're traveling through this area. Could you point us in the direction of the nearest town or so on and so forth? And the gray man opens his eyes and smiles a little bit. And he says, well, that depends on what you're looking for. Because if you're looking for the quickest route to get to a major town, you want to take the fork to your left. But if you're looking for something else, you could take the fork to your right. And I'm like, well, what kind of what else do you mean by that? And they're like, well, to the right will lead to a small village although in the village itself right now is experiencing a lot of issues. What kind of issues? Well, there's something is terrorizing the town. So it's definitely not a safe place to travel through, but you look like young strapping lads. You might be okay passing through there, but you would have a much easier time going this way. Rafe and I let's speak to each other for a moment, kind of talk about it, and they're like, well, you know, maybe we can help out these people in this town. Do you know what the problem is? <clears throat> And he's like, no, I do not. I'm sorry, I've not been there. I've only heard word. Although m- people have stopped coming from the village, I've not seen them in days. To which they ask, do you, do you live around here? He goes, oh, I'm usually around here. Somewhere. OK, cool. Well, we're going to go ahead and head towards that village. You know, Maybe they could hire us. Maybe they could use, have a job. We'll see what's going on. So they start traveling. And it doesn't take them but a few hours to make it to the village. And the road literally ends at this village. It's a very thin, rickety road. You can tell it's very unkept. It hasn't seen a lot of traffic recently. And the village itself is the homes look slightly dilapidated. You don't see a lot of people. And as soon as they start making their way into town, they're seeing them. the few people they see are very quickly rushing off the streets as if they're frightened of them. Rafe and Aladdin have never seen this type of thing. Clearly they're warriors and they have their gear and weapons and such, but there's just two of them. You know, there's enough people that they have seen that, you know, if they did try something, they could very easily be overwhelmed. So like well, they can't be afraid of us, maybe they think we're part of a bigger force or something. So let's try to make our intentions known. So they, they find the town inn, or tavern, which itself very worn down. And they make their way in, and the man inside who runs the place, you can see there are only a couple patrons in the corner and everybody's kind of keeping to themselves. The gentleman says, you know, you know, nervously, greeting stranger. We haven't seen anyone come through here in a very long time. It's not a lot of people come this way. What brings you through? And they said, well, we were Traveling up the road, a gentleman said, your town was experiencing some problems. So we thought we would come and see what's going on. See if we could offer our services to help. We're you know, kind of sorted for hires. And we've, we've had a long experience. We were this rank and this so on and so forth. Because that ranking stuff is known throughout that continent. That's that's important thing. You have a badge. It shows your rank. And they're like, OK, well, you're clearly capable. Maybe you could help us. Something is here. And they're like, OK, well, what do you mean by something is here? They're like, we don't know. Something is in the village, and people are acting differently. Some people are disappearing, and then they come back, but they're not acting the way they did before. Um, At night, odd sounds are heard. Um, They almost sound like animals of no kind can we ever figure out what they are. screeching or squealing and noises, but we can't figure it with weapons. Most of our crops have started to die. Farm animals are found destroyed, I mean literally destroyed, shredded, ripped apart, um, teeth and claw marks kind of thing, but of no animal that they can figure out. And at first they said, well, we need some help. So the militia or their town militia started going out, and they never came back. So like, okay, we need some help from the major city. They sent out young people, hey, go on up here, travel a few weeks, see if you can hire some people. A few days later, the people would come back. Almost in, insane, like they, they just said they couldn't. No matter where they went, it was following them. No matter wh- where they went, it just kept turning them around. And no matter where they went, they just kept finding themselves coming back towards the village. Rafe and Nyleader are very concerned. They're like, "Well, clearly this is—you know—not just a couple brigands in the area. It's not just some goblins. It's got to be something more powerful. So we're going to see what we can do to help you out." So again, I'm not going to go into the super deep, but in the story, I'm going to give the gist of it. They begin going around talking to people. The innkeeper sends one of the men from the town with them, says, hey, this is so-and-so. He's going to introduce you to some people. Most people aren't going to talk to you unless they know you're okay, but they know this guy and they know he's all right. He was one of the last few militia people we have. We had a bad leg injury recently, so he walks with a a lamp. He's not real good in combat at this point. So they go around, start interviewing people, and, and the story is much the same. We hear the strange noises. Sometimes they're scratching on the outside of our homes. We find damage to our property, but nothing ever comes inside. Sometimes our neighbors will disappear. We won't see them for days. Are they in their home? Are they not? Are they gone? But then when they are back, they act differently. They act strange. How? They're very aloof. When you do see them, they seem to be staring at you. You know, like looking right through you with, like, I guess you'd say evil intent, but they never do anything. Um, those same people don't seem to be keeping up their homes and such as well. And they're like, okay. So they're investigating and looking for clues. And they go out and they see some of the destroyed animals. And they see all the different stuff. And clearly the claw marks and such that they find... um are large. I mean, they're not just a small animal. It's not even, you know, like a small cat or anything. It's going to be bigger than that. Being woodsmen and living in the north and being part of their militia, they had to deal with things like that. You know, wild animals that sometimes would attack crops. So they have a some understanding of what those type of things. They're not professional tracker. Now that's a little bit better at that. But even still, what few prints they find appear almost like cat prints that are too big for cats. They're almost like a cat print, but a foot. So... Over a couple of days, they're staying at the inn and they're investigating things and nothing really seems to happen until the second night they're sleeping, they hear noises. Now, they figured at night, that's when things happen. They got their weapons ready, they grab their stuff, they're ready to go. Rushing downstairs and out to the door, they hear the sounds, and it sounds like more than one, but not like an army, but one or two types of creatures howling from a home down the end of the street. Everyone, of course, is cowering inside their house. No one's willing to come out, so Rafe and Nilat rushing down there. Um, as they're rushing by the stables, they see one of their horses has just been ripped apart. The other one freaking out in his stall because there's not a big barn here. It's just like a stall you put them in and such. And It's summer, so they're, you know, they're not cold or anything. They're, they're well-kept. They got hay and such, but one of them has just been completely obliterated, uh, just pieces strewn across the road. Um, it was Nylat's horse, so Nylat's just furious because he liked his horse. You know. And so they go charging down, and they see shadows moving around the house. They can peer to be two of them. and as they try to chase them into the darkness, whatever they are just seems to disappear. The morning comes, they're looking around they can't find anything other than these prints. but clearly what they did chasing them off, they were tr- there were scratch marks on the walls and such and it's like they interrupted something because the, the door the windows appear to be loose like they were trying to take the boards off because they have those shutters on their windows so that's like they're trying to be loosened and the people said they were that lived in there are not there. There's nobody in the house. Why would they be trying to get in? But because they chased them off, they actually found some tracks this time, and they traced them. And they're doing their best to follow them, and although they disappear and reappear. They're following them into the woods, to the north of the village, and they come across what appears to be a small ravine. And then looking down the ravine, they can see blood marks in puddles and pools down at the bottom. They're like, well, whatever it is has got to be down there. we got to go find this, because we can't let... This thing happened, and Nilat's still pretty irritated about his his horse. And so they make their way down the ravine. There's a very thin walkway, and they get to the bottom. And near the bottom, there's a a river. um, But the smell of death is very strong down here. There's skeletons and chewed up meat and such. And the town folks have said no one had come up into the woods in a long time because of all this stuff going on. People did not leave the town very far at all. And they get down there, and they find a small cave. And when they go inside, you know, they get their weapons out and torches and such. They're looking, and the smell's just really bad, like just death and rotten meat. And they make their way inside, and they find bodies. And in different states of decay. Um, And the biggest issue that they come across is that the bodies are, like, shredded, eaten. Some appear to have been tortured, but they're very locked up, chained up, and such. And many of them seem to, while they've been tortured, some have been destroyed. Some clearly just passed away over time. They weren't kept. They weren't fed. And unfortunately, they're shocked because they come to a back, you know, as they're looking through, looking for survivors, they don't find anything, they don't find any creatures in the cave. They come across two bodies specifically that have clearly been dead for a very long time. And that is the body of the innkeeper and that last remaining militia with the bad leg. So it clicks on them. Okay. This, if these are them, who have we been talking to? So... Gathering stuff, they make their way back to the town, bust into the inn, and they're like, and the, there's the innkeeper. It's like, hey, did you find anything? What was the scary stuff? And they're like, Yeah, we found a cave and you were in there. And the innkeeper's eyes, and he just gets kind of like reddish and he just smiles a little bit. And you see the, the buddy dude who's walking him around in the background, he kind of stands up and he's like, and they both his eyes kind of go a little bit red, and a couple other people stand up to the same thing. Some people are looking around confused, like, what's going on? There's like eight or nine people in here. It's a meal time. People gather to drink and talk and share their woes. And he said, I was surprised you found it so quickly. I really thought we'd have more time to play with you. And as he smiles, you can see his teeth get a little bit longer and they start to extend. And with the other people, their bodies kind of change and their claws go almost like a werewolf transformation. But I'm going to clear up. This is not a creature. This is the middle of the day. But it does turn into some type of like cat-like creature. Almost like a cat humanoid. And their bodies change. Very quickly, because realize, okay, whatever these are, they're able to assume other people's forms. So how many are out there, we don't know, but there's about four of them in here right now. Battle ensues. Um, Rafe and Nylat, um manage to kill them, destroy the four that were in there. Uh, a couple of citizens try to help. Most of them are just cowering in fear. A couple of them get killed in the, in the side. But overall, they manage to take them out. And searching the city, they find a couple more in homes. You know, they're going and kicking in doors and, and you know, blah, 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 and they say certain things and they, the per- people freak out. And they're looking for telltale signs because they found a couple clues. And I, off the top of my head, I apologize. It was song. So I don't remember what it was, but they found something that each of the cat creatures shared. There was something, I don't know if it was a mark or if it was something that they wore, but there was something about them that if they saw that thing, they knew that this was one of them. Uh, so they go around and they end up exterminating. There was about total about eight of them in the city. Um, and they go around to, the, vill- to the, the homes, the farmsteads, out and around, and they find no more, although they do find that a lot of the homes have been empty. People have either been fled or they were killed. Um, but they, they manage to basically clear the town. Yay, heroes. <laughs> One moment, I take a drink. All right. So, the town's ecstatic. Wow, this is what's been terrorizing us? How scary, but we're finally safe. We're all going to probably pack up and get the hell out of here because, you know, there's not many of us left and who knows if there's more of them out there. We have to get out of here. We have to get to the town. Is there any way you could escort us at least to the road? We'll pay you. And they're like, yeah, you don't have to pay us. In this situation, we were just happy to help. We're cool. Um, We're going to take one of these old horses over here because Nala doesn't have a horse now. But other than that, you know, we're going to help you gather up your stuff. And over the next few days, people gather what few belongings they have and they decide to escort them back up the main road, which they do. So they get to that main road, that fork again, and the people say that they're going to go north because it's closer north than it is to the very, very south city. Um, but sitting on that rock is the gray man. He's still sitting there in the same position. It's been four or five days by this point, but it's like he never moved. And they show up, and the townspeople are like, are you going to come with us? And they're like, no, we're kind of heading the other direction, but we're well away from the town. You should be fine at this point. A couple of you guys have got weapons and such. You should be cool to stick to the road, You know, keep torches and fires up at night, and you should be okay. Uh, you'll be a day or so, and you're going to get to another big fork, and there's lots of traffic on that road. You'll be safe. Get in with a group of people and just head to where you need to go. So they thank them for all their help, and they start to head off. And Rafe and Alot turn to the gray man, and they're like, hey... Well, we managed to take care of that town. Thank you for sending us that way. The people really needed some help. And he kind of they begin to explain a little bit what's happening. And he just takes his hand and shakes his head and he goes, I saw. I was I have to say I was very impressed. I wasn't sure you were going to pull it off or not. No, wait for now, stop for a second. They're like, Is this one of those creatures? Was it supposed to be some kind of a trap? The green man stands up and steps off the rock, because the rock is like seven or eight feet tall. He's up on a big rock. Huh? And he just floats down. Wait right for now Let's step back, hands on their weapons, like, okay, clearly this is some type of magic user. Regular people just don't float, usually. And he smiles and he says, I need your help. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I need your help. My name is Zoltan. And I have a problem. Something bad is happening in the world, and I need your help to fix it. And they're like, okay, well what do you mean? What's going on? And he tells them a little bit of the story that I said at the beginning. I'm a demigod chosen by the gods to protect these magical artifacts from getting out, and sometimes they seem to just somehow get out, and I have to get people to get them back. And I have a problem because this time over half of them are gone, and that's never happened before. And they're like, well, what do these do? And he goes, each one has its own abilities, but they're all very powerful and in the wrong hands, somebody got a hold of all of those, all the ones that are out there, I mean, there could seriously be like serious damage. Like I could take over the world kind of stuff. These things are that powerful. And he goes, if you can help me, you'll be greatly rewarded. And they're like, well, you know, we don't, we don't care to help. Why don't you just go get them? Do you know where they are? He goes, I kind of know where they are. And I can point you in those directions, but I can't directly intervene." by credence of the gods, I cannot directly interfere with the workings of mortal, other than by persuasion and giving things, but I can't go and, like, snatch something away and smack you around for doing it. So, he's like, okay. They're like, well, uh, yeah, sure, I guess we can do this. I mean, if it's gonna protect the world, we're good people. You know, Nylat's like, what kind of a reward? Rafe's like, yeah, I'm like, stop. We'll figure it out later. Zoltan's like, excellent, excellent, thank you. And so, he points them down the road and gives them a bit of the idea of what they're looking for. Says, you need to head to this this town, and um, when you get there, I'll, 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 you'll get more information from me. So they travel south, and they begin this quest to go find these these items. Now, each item itself is its own mini-story. I'm not going to go into each one of those, because to be honest with you, I forget which ones, some of them mixed together, because it was over 25 years ago. <laughs> but um, the basic gist is they have to go and gather these weapons, and they start traveling around the world to do that, sometimes taking ships to other continents through their travels, they end up gaining allies. These allies are important. The first ally they meet is a minotaur. I like minotaurs. You're going to see minotaurs in my stories, quite often. Um, Now, for the record, my minotaurs have feet. There are two different types of minotaurs in the D&D argument or the fantasy setting, and that's the kind with hooves, with the knees that are kind of bent, or they're the kind with feet. My minotaurs have feet. I prefer feet on minotaurs. So just throwing that out there. My mentors have footsies, or sandals and boots and shoes. So they run into it, they find him, and his name is Tabork. And his last name is, because let me grab it here, because I mix them up. I'm Stonecrusher. So Debork Stone Stonecrusher, big dude. Um, he is, I believe for we're correct, he's like a, a brownish-black mix. Um, but he was basically captured by these people who were like slave traders. And they end up intervening and, and breaking, it, breaking them out. And saving him from that, and they're like, He's like, I owe you a life debt. He has a much deeper voice. I owe you a life, you know, I owe you a life debt. You've saved me, I will help you on your quest. Once your quest is over, then I I feel I can go. If you ever saw Robin Hood, um, Prince of Thieves with Kevin Costner, it's very much the Azim thing. You've done a thing for me, I now have to do a thing for you. Once we've completed this, my life debt is good, I can then go live my life. But on my family's honor, I have to complete, you know, square away the, the debt. So Tabork joins in with them. And Tabork, huge mentor, really strong, great fighter, um, has a very strong sense of nobility, a very honorable kind of guy. Um, but looking for combat on a you know, a mixture between, you know, the Klingon concept and just the regular Dwarven contact. I, I kind of mix the two up. Uh, they also join up with a kender. Now, if you don't know what a kender is. Probably haven't read or done a lot of Dungeons & Dragons. Kender can be a lot of fun and can be irritating as hell. So, Kender are very short... Imagine a sh- very short elf with long hair, right? Kender are immune to fear. They're also incredibly good thieves. pickpocketings, stealing stuff. The type of thieves that they steal your stuff, they don't even realize they've done it. Very curious because they're immune to fear. They don't live very long because they do a lot of stupid things. But they run into a Kender named Thickaway Tricklebush they have funny names. Thickaway joins in the party. He's half the time as much of a hindrance as he is a friend, but he is a very good rogue, and he has a lot of the tracking skills. He's very sneaky, so when it comes time to sneak into things to try to get these weapons back, Thickaway is really, really handy to have around, whenever he's not accidentally stealing the party's stuff. Uh, They also join up with a half-elven wizard, and his name, let me grab it, is Davin Windfellow. Uh, he is a mage, and he wears green robes. That's because he primarily does uh, nature magic. Um, so, not clerically, he's not a druid, but he uses more of a nature style magic. And then they come up with a, they find another human rogue, and his name is Smalsius Early. Clearly, that's not his real name, but he's short. You would think that he's a kender, but he's really human. He's just a really little dude. Um, but he is just the bomb with knives. That's what he does. Throwing knives, swinging knives, knife fighting. He's very, very, very good with daggers. Almost unnaturally so. And then the last member of the group is Rohan Flameshammer, who is a Dwarven cleric. Now he's a cleric of Thorin. So real quick, we're going to give you a step on there. So Thorin is the god of the mountains. So, he's the Dwarven god. A lot of earth magic, elemental stuff, rock, fire, things of that nature. Um, but he's one of the neutral gods, and he's kind of the official dwarven god of my exist, of my reality. Although sometimes dwarves will worship the other gods. There's the god of, goddess of light, the god of darkness, so on and so forth. So they join up with them, and they kind of become a little squad, and they start traveling around the world to find these items. And the first one they come across is a sword. And the sword itself doesn't hurt. It heals. It's a a sword that literally does insane healing. Although it hurts to use it. It hurts the user. So if I'm healing myself with it, it's more painful than the wound. If I'm using on someone else, it takes away their pain. But as the user, I feel it. Um, But it doesn't, like, leech away your life or anything. But it's a very powerful thing that heals people. It does not hurt them. So if I was to stab you with it and pull it out, it would hurt me. Because it's healing you as it's doing the damage. So that was the first one they get a hold of. Um, this lord of a, of a kingdom had it, and he was using it to literally like torture people. Like he'd hurt them, then heal them, hurt them, and heal them. Just a real sadist kind of guy. They basically free the kingdom, kill him, and get the sword back. They find an axe. Or, no, the next one I'm sorry was a hammer. This hammer is really cool because you can throw it. It's, it's, a, it's like a, a small war hammer, but if you throw it, it comes back to you. So kind of. Thor-like, but I didn't base it on Thor. I mean, it doesn't zip all over the place and fly, but it will come back to you when you throw it. Um, as long as there's nothing impeding you. If I throw you and someone closes the door, it's going to hit the door. I mean, smash the door, but it's not going to go through items. So they start picking up some of these things. They find a ring that um, lets them basically control flames, kind of thing. Different items as they're traveling along. And their adventures last for several years. They finally manage to go across. They go to a uh, continent that's uh, basically all elves, doesn't trust anybody. They make friends relatively with them by helping the elves fight an evil dragon. You fight out the dragon with the elves, save them. The elves give them the artifact that they'd gotten a hold of. They go to the Dwarven Kingdom. The dwarves have a lance. Uh, The lance is incredibly sharp, and uh, it's got its own abilities we'll get into later. But they gather up these weapons and artifacts. And even though they're injured and hurt, everybody survives. And they manage to gather them all up. And per Zoltan's request, he tells them to come back to that rock when they've got them. So after all their traveling, the group of friends and heroes show up at this rock. And there he is, sitting on top Zoltan, just chilling like he always is. The gray man hops down, and he just smiles, and he he takes the weapons and the artifacts from him, and he's like, I can't tell you how pleased I am with how well you did today. Or over the past year or two. It's been a long time coming. Um, Not only did you succeed where many would have failed? You've gathered up all these items, and you didn't use them for your own gain. You could have just kept them and taken them and you know, taken over the world at what you got them, all kind of thing. But instead, you brought them back, and that shows a level of nobility, shows me that my trust in you was good. Um, and so, as such, as I promised, I'm going to reward you. And he gives them some wealth, and here's some stuff, and a couple of miscellaneous magic items, and so on and so forth. But the big thing he does is he says, he's going to give them each a home. going to give them each a kingdom. Of Rafe and Nylat. Um he's gonna give wealth to the other people as well. But Rafe and Nilat are the main two characters, so they get they get their own keeps. He's gonna give them one. Ra- Rafe, he said, I'm gonna give you one here in the middle of the of the continent, and I'm gonna give Nilat one down here at the south. This is land that I'm going to give you. and Where, he's, where they're standing is, is basically, it's very foggy there and such. And he's like, you're just going to go this direction. You're going to come across the castle, and it's going to be there. And they're like, was the castle always there? He goes, we'll talk about that later. But go over there, and that's your castle. And he goes, I'm going to keep, use you as protectors of these weapons and these artifacts. I'm going to, you've been so successful, and throughout the rest of your lives, you'll be rewarded. I can't, if in case I ever have this problem again, I definitely want to call upon you. And they're like, okay, yeah, we'll do that. Sure, why not? You know, they had been traveling for years. they were ready to settle down, have a base of operations. And when I say they're given a kingdom, it's not like there's a bunch of people there that are immediately going to serve them. They're given a keep. They're given a home. Um, and Rafe and Nilat, well, brothers, you know, they've been together for a few years and such. They said, yeah, okay, we're willing to s- split a little bit and go kind of our separate ways, but we'll always come together if we need help, and so on and so forth. We both want to settle down. Nilat had a, a little... Chicky poo that he ran into down in the south while well, they were down there looking for the stuff that he kind of had a thing for. So he's like, I'm gonna go down there and see if I can find her again. She was a barmaid. They had a little thing, and he really liked her. But they had to leave because they were on their quest. He says, I'm gonna go back down there see if I can find her, and maybe we'll shack up. If we get married, I'll give you a cup, kind of thing. Zoltan says, when you get to your homes, I'll be there. And they're like, How far is it from here? They goes, Oh, it'll be weeks worth of travel. He goes, But if you travel through the mist, and as he says that, this gray fog starts to rise up a little bit. He goes, you'll arrive there within, it, within the hours. And they're like, okay, they're weeks apart? He goes, yes, I'm going to transport you there. And they're like, that's a little odd you're doing that because you're not really supposed to, you know, interfere. And at the same time, why the hell didn't you do that to get us to where the artifacts were so we didn't have to take boats and horses all over the place to gather these? But, you know, they're trying not to be too stingy. They're like, okay. So Rafe and Nylat bid farewell. Um, Nylat decides to go south uh, to Boric who's still with him, says that he's going to come with Rafe. He and Rafe have become very good friends. Um, He kind of looks up to Rafe, even though Tabork is actually a little bit older. He's like, you know, my family uh, lost their honor because my father was convicted of a crime. That's a cool thing about Tabork I didn't mention earlier. He goes, and through you, I believe I have had the ability to regain the honor, um, and I think that staying with you will only allow me more opportunities to do that because you're just a really good guy. Um, the two rogues, Smallsius and Thickaway, uh, who surprisingly Thickaway survived, they didn't kill him, although they were tempted, decide to go out um, and just do some adventuring. And they say, we'll meet up with you guys occasionally. Um, the mage also says he's going to go and touch base with some maces, mages in one city. But the dwarven cleric says, I'm going to go with Nylite as well, help him get settled, and I'll maybe come up and, and visit you in the North raid so the groups kind of split off, and they get to their new homes. And when they arrive in their new homes, in the kingdoms, of course, Rafe gets to his first. Nilat at this point kind of becomes a secondary character. It becomes more about Rafe at this point. So Nilat's going to kind of fade out for just a little bit, but he'll be back. Because uh, for the record, when we were playing this game, Rafe was my friend's character. Tabork was someone's character. But Nilat was a character I was running primarily as an NPC. So he was part of the group, but you know, Rafe did a lot of the heavy lifting. Nilat was there in the beginning because it was just the two of us playing. And as more friends joined up and we had a bigger group, Nilat kind of stepped back, and Rafe and that group took on. So Nilat goes down to his, Rafe goes to his. When they get to the kingdom, they find it's a small castle, but it's still a castle. It's a big castle, but it's small. Um, and it's kind of, Rafe's is kind of on top of this rocky out-jetting, so you kind of go up a mountain a little bit, it's on the top of that mountain. A lot of flat round ground good for farming and such, and they're like, yeah, you can do farming down here, you could hire people, this land is yours, you can do it with what you want. But the big thing is, in each home, there's a secret room. He shows Rafe where his is, and Nylad assumingly finds his. When you go in this secret passageway, it leads you down, down, deep inside the rock, inside the, the outcropping itself, to a small room that very much looks like a mini version of the chamber that the artifacts are kept in. And built into one wall is a large, large man-sized mirror. Once per month, Rafe and Nilat can come to this mirror and they can communicate through it. They can see each other, they can talk, give updates of what's happening. How's your life? How's my life? What's happening with that? And it allows them to communicate. If one has a problem, cool, we can go down there. Now, the big thing is, is that once with the Gray Man's permission, every so often, he can open it as a portal, allowing them to actually get to each other. The downside is if you go through the portal to go one direction, you can't go through that portal to come back. So if I, Rafe was to go through to Nihilat's house, he'd have to come traveling several weeks, if not a month, to get back to his house the other direction. Kind of the way it rules the way the mirrors work. And they, they become important a little bit later. but. They've got this, and this is cool. So they, brothers, can, they kind of figure out a time. Once per month, they meet, they talk. How are things going there? Are there any problems? Do we need to get together? So Rafe and Tabork settle down. Eventually, Smallsius, thick away their dwarven cleric, and the mage, all of them kind of come back up and take residence up with Rafe in his kingdom. And people start to come towards this. They're like, okay, we've heard of you. You you've done these heroic deeds. You've done this great thing. You saved that village. You helped protect this kingdom. You killed that bad dude who was torturing people. And people start coming to that, because you okay, here's someone who has a lot of land. He can protect us. And Rafe begins to see a small town, if not village, begin at the base of his of his home, at his mountain. They start, we'd like to have farms. We will pay taxes. Can we have some of your land? Yada, yada. And slowly a town starts to build, and Rafe literally becomes a liege lord of this, of this area. And he protects them. And he's very fair. Um, but he takes a couple people in himself. There's a brother and sister named Michael and Michelle. And Michael and Michelle move in, and they're kind of made the stewards. Michael handles the upkeep of the home. He takes care of the things. Michelle cooks and so on and so forth. Um, Their parents passed away for whatever and they were just looking for someone to they they worked for a, a lord at some point but bad things happen so they come in there. So they're living there and over the next few years Occasionally, issues arise. A war over here. A bad guy over here. Rafe and Nilat get together with their posse, and they go down there, and they help save the world. They become quite well-known. These actions cause more and more people. Nylat has the same situation. A city starts to build around his kingdom as well. He's known as the, the noble lord of the south, and Rafe is the noble lord of the north, even though he's really more in the middle of the continent. It's important, but later. So, I guess I should take a drink, because my throat's getting sore. I apologize that I'm going non-stop and I'm not asking any questions. I see that there's a decent amount of people watching. Again, if you have any questions about anything I'm talking about, you want some specifics about a character, what they look like or anything, please feel free to throw that into the chat. I'm happy to answer any questions you have. Okay. So, as this happens, and Rafe and Nylat are living their best lives, and Nylat... He never could find that girl, and he's had some flings and such, but he never really settles down. Uh, Rafe starts to realize he has feelings for Michelle, the only lady that kind of works for him and runs his his keep when they're out adventuring and stuff. And over time, they decide, you know, there's mutual feelings. They become engaged. Okay? So Rafe and Michelle have become engaged. And uh, Michael and Michelle's last name is Lardon. It's it's French. Don't judge me. But it's Michael Lardon and Michelle Lardon. And Rafe and Michelle become engaged. And that's pretty cool. There's going to be a big wedding, so on and so forth. Um, But it's going to be a year out. They want to plan it big. They're going to do a bunch of stuff. Um, And very soon after they become engaged, they're made aware of a situation. An issue. Um, And this isn't the Gray Man. They haven't seen Zoltan in several years at this point. He hasn't needed them for anything, so... They've just kind of let put him in the back of their mind. They just talk, so on and so forth. And when Rafe and Nihilat do need to party up, they usually just travel and meet somewhere. They don't go through the mirrors because, you know, hey, they know they can basically, There's a, it's like a spell thing. You can tap this crystal on the mirror and it will summon the Grey Man. But they kind of save that only for emergencies. But they learn that over near the coast in this mountain range uh, to the east, a little bit southeast of where Rafe lives, that there's been earthquakes happening. And... Their mage is doing some research, talks to the mage towers, and they realize that there's a dragon. It's actually an elder worm, which is a very, very powerful dragon. If you know anything about fantasy, over time, they start to lose their legs. They become snake-like. That's where you get your more um, Chinese and Japanese-style dragons, so something like that. But this elder dragon, which has been asleep for thousands of years, has awoken. Um, and for some reason is irritated and everybody's afraid that it's it's going it's, it's already like destroying things, just from its rumbling and casting its spells. It hasn't physically attacked anyone, but it definitely has used magic and stuff to destroy homes and kill people and all sorts of stuff. So Rafe and Nylat are like, well, we gotta do it. They gather the team, and they start making their way towards the mountain range. Now, um, as I mentioned before, Nylat wa- is a fighter rogue. Um, Throughout their adventures, there's been a couple of times when they've come across magic stuff that he's been interested in a little bit. And so he he was more into the magic items and such, and he tried to have the mage teach him some spells, but he learned he didn't really have an affinity for it. And whenever he tried, really peculiar stuff would happen. So he's like, cast this most simple of spell, and instead it would something really off the wall would happen. So he's always been intrigued by magic, and he, he's like, okay, but he would just turned it he didn't have any affinity for it. But... A couple of times when they've been dealing with wizards and such, he's like, oh, cool, a spell book, and he's kind of taken that as part of his rewards, and he's hung on to it, because he always hoped that maybe one day he could learn a couple spells to be able to protect them and fight, because he always kind of thought that was cool. And they know that, supposedly, mythically, this elder worm has a massive treasure, and he's like, hey, I bet there's some magical artifacts in there, maybe some magic items, I can get some more stuff. And Rafe is like, and there's lots of treasure, which is cool. Because, yeah, he's still a dude. He's got a kingdom to run now. But more importantly, we can save the world. And if there's a treasure, cool, we'll worry about that. So they make their way to this mountains And they go down into this caving system. And it's, imagine, if you will, like a giant sponge. Just tunnels of different sizes and, and things. And they're down in there. And very quickly, they realize they bit off a little bit more than they can shoot. Uh The dragon itself is blind. Just from age. But its senses are so phenomenal; it can smell them, it can hear them if they move, and a lot of times they'll be—you're looking through a tunnel, and you'll just see a giant thing go by, and it'll take like watching a train at night, just a giant thing go through the tunnel, and half their weapons don't have any effect on it. There's fire and acid coming at them, and they're fighting, and they manage to make it into the treasure room, which is just this giant chasm full of wealth. Um, Very. Hobbity, if you saw the Hobbit and you saw the dragon on the piles of wealth, very much like that. Maybe not quite as big, but piles of gold and treasure that he's taken up over this time. And as they're fighting and they're, you know, they're trying to survive, the dragon's in there, and um, the mage gets very seriously injured uh, because dragons aren't stupid. They smack the mage around very quickly to take the magic out of the picture. Um, the cleric is of of, is really one thing that's helping them, because being underground and, and basically an, an Earth cleric, uh, he's bending the Earth and such as well. Kind of like an Earthbender in the Avatar thing. He's, that's kind of some of his spells. He's using it to defense, to close up things that the dragon can't get through. Um, so things of that nature. And while they're fighting, you know, they're all, they get separated at one point, and, and Nylat falls and rolls down a thing of coins, and as he lands, his hand rests on something. And he just immediately, his hand feels very, very cold. And he hears a voice in his head. And he looking, he sees that it's a red gauntlet with a long sword-like spike off the end. So if you put it on, it'd be just like a long sword blade off this gauntlet. And it looks like blood red, and it's got rubies on it that are very dark looking, and this black, uh, some type of black metal etching, so it looks like dragon scales on it. And it speaks to him and goes, you are never going to survive this battle the worm will kill you all unless you let me help you. He's like, what do you mean by that? He's like, I am powerful. Wield me. And we can defeat the dragon. I've been trapped in this cave for generations. I desire to be out in the world again. I can save your brother and your friends. Dali thinks about it, says, I don't don't know, talking sword hand. I'm not sure if I trust that, but at that time, Smallsius, takes a very serious wound from the dragon. You can see his arm and his shoulders all boiled up and his armor's missing where acid had hit him. And now that, at this point, realizes, we're getting messed up here. I'm going to have to do something. He agrees and he puts on the gauntlet. Well, when he does that, the gauntlet almost like combines with his arm and he just feels angry and dark. But he also feels, I need to save these people. I need to kill that dragon. He's very angry at the dragon. More so than he was before just a, a directed fury. And so, running into battle, Rafe comes down to, he, Rafe, and Tabork, and Rafe and Tabork are trying to hold it off, and Nylat manages to stab with the sword gauntlet, and it just cuts through the dragon, like he's soft butter, knife through butter, I know. Classic. But he literally, it just cuts through, and the dragon rears back in incredible pain, and he, see, and he can sense what hit him. And he says, you don't know what you've done, and he basically it comes down to try to just like all or nothing destroy them and spits acid and flame at the same time and the gauntlet literally just like a shield deflects it off of him and the battle ensues and using that blade they manage to kill the elder worm anticlimactic i know but you know you don't want to talk about who rolled what in the actual dice thing but they managed to kill the elder worm now the problem with it, once the worm is gone nylat's anger starts to focus on other things the people around him and he has the desire to then start hurting his, his brother and his friends. And he, the gauntlet itself is allowing him to almost use abilities itself. It's like gets hot like flame, and he's swiping flame and such. And, you know, it's the classic cheesy moment of, you gotta give it up, you gotta fight the power, and all that kind of stuff. We had one of those moments. I was younger when I wrote that part. But it was the thing where, it's, you know, they, has to, they basically talk, in Nylat fighting back against the thing manages to separate from it. But he realized the thing was trying to take him over. And at that point, they're like, okay, this can't be out in the world, so we need to lock this up somewhere, because this is not, this is not good. Uh, but we definitely don't want it near Nilat because he's already been cling to it once, and Nilat has that kind of, the one ring feeling, like I really want to be back with it, even when I'm not with it. So Rafe's like, I'm going to take it, and I'm going to hide it somewhere. They decide they're going to they're gonna head on home, and they start gathering up treasure, as much as they can carry. You know, thing. why not? It's there, right? Um, but they decide that there's also stuff in here that has that aura of darkness and such, so they're not... What they've decided is they're going to go out and they're going to tell everyone that the dragon's back asleep. They're not going to tell them that the dragon is dead because then they fear that people are going to come in here and get a hold of the treasure, which in itself would be fine, but they don't want all the other stuff in there to get out in the world. Telling them it's back asleep again and going in could wake him up. is a way of kind of protecting everybody, but they gather up a bunch of loot themselves. They make their way out. They make their way home. Nylat goes south. Rafe goes back to his house. Everybody starts living their life again, and over the next couple months Rafe and Michelle are planning their weapon. It's a big deal. There's now hundreds of people that live on his land. Farmers and blacksmiths. It's a growing city. Um, And it's a big deal for the city that the Lord, if you will, Lord Firemoon, is going to take a wife. They're going to be married, and hopefully we'll get some little firelings. you know. So they're planning their wedding, and things are going. And a few months, and they're only about a month away from the wedding, and at this point, it's been about six or seven months since they fought the dragon, the elder worm. And Rafe and Nilat go down to their, you know, they're gonna go down, it's their monthly meeting time by the mirror, see how things are going. And as Rafe is walking down the stairs to the secret passageway, he smells something he's never smelled before, a sulfury smell. A burning sulfur. And this isn't normal. He starts hurrying down the stairs. And he gets into the chamber and he's shocked to find that the room has a faint echo of smoke like there was a fire in there recently. There's black singe marks all over the ground at the base of the mirror like something exploded from it. And the mirror is cracked from top to bottom. Not shattered, but just a solid crack with about a one inch space between the pieces of glass. It won't work. He can't talk to Nylat. bonking his little crystal on it, isn't getting Zoltan Something has happened. Not knowing what's happened, his first thought is I gotta get to Nylat. Either he may be able to help, or what if something's wrong with Nylat? So Rafe gathers up the posse because they were all there for the wedding. Nyilite was supposed to be coming up in the next month for the wedding, anyways. But everybody was already there help prepping. Leaves the people like we're gonna go south. We gotta find out what's going on. So they start booking it, it takes them a few weeks to get down there. The wedding's slightly postponed till they get back. Everybody understands these things happen. But they make their way down, and when they get to Nilat City, even before they get there, they see the problem. Burn marks, crops destroyed, gouts of burn areas, like there's been forest fires. And as they approach the city, the city's been decimated. Again, it's not a huge city. You know, there's several hundred homes and businesses that have popped up. But they're just burned and destroyed. And they find a few survivors that are digging through stuff, and they're like, what happened? And they're like, we were attacked Weeks ago, by a man on a dragon. He attacked the Lord's Tower. We saw and heard the sound of battle, but then, like, an explosion happened and the whole city caught on fire and everyone fled, those who survived. Um, and the heat from the, the Lord's Keep, no one's been able to get into it since. It's just so hot and giving, like, this extension stuff a sulfury, stinky smell. Now, Rafe recognized the smell. No one's everyone's been afraid to get there, and we've not seen the Lord since. Or his lady that he's currently got living there and their servants. <clears throat> so Rafe rushes up to the keep. It is very hot and very uncomfortable, but luckily they're heroes, they got some magic items, it helps them. And they make their way into the keep <clears throat> and they make half of the castle's literally just gone. It's like been blasted off. And they make their way up to the top floor, which would be almost Nylat's bedroom, if you will. <clears throat> Excuse me. And They walk out, and they can see out over the land. That whole room has been ripped apart, but it's all caved in, like something smashed in. And on the ground, they find just the burned husk of a body. Rafe, crushed, runs to it, and yes, it's wearing Nilat's rings. Rafe is furious. His brother has been killed, and he doesn't know why or who did it, other than it was a guy on a dragon. Furious, they're not able to find any other survivors either. But there's bodies that are burned all around. They can only say, "Okay, there's the servants and so on and so forth." They, they bury his brother, or they, you know, they bury him somewhere because they aren't going to take it all the way home. They got to find some stuff, and they start talking to people. And all they know is there's whispers of the Baron. And they're like, what's this Baron person? We don't know. But over the last few weeks, there's talks of the Baron, that the Baron had sent someone to speak to Nilat, but Nilat had rejected him, that the Baron was wanting something, but Nilat would not agree. These are the rumors that went around town, but no one knew exactly what it was. And everyone is afraid of the Baron. Alright. Rafe now has a target. i got to find who this Baron is. Starts asking around. Nobody knows. Nobody knows where he's from. Only that the Baron, no other name than the Baron, keeps coming to him. So, Rafe says, okay, we're going to go home. Gather up some more stuff. I'm going to get some, because at this point, he has some soldiers of his own. Like, he's got some stuff. He goes, we're going to take on a guy with a dragon. We may need more than just a few of us. We're going to go back, get some more of our bodyguards and men. We're going to bring a small force. I didn't want to bring them before because I wanted to leave them at home to take care of the town, but this is bigger stuff. we got to do that. Maybe hire some mercenaries as well. So they go booking it back up to their house to see if they can find out what's going on, what happened to the... um, Does anyone know who the Baron is? The wizard says he's going to go off and talk to the other mages, see if he can find something out, what's going on. They agree to meet in a certain area. As Rafe is getting to his home... And he's heading that way. He comes in, he comes across several people he recognizes from one of his farmsteads. And they're on a wagon going the other direction. And he's like, what's going on? They're like, Th- thank God you're home. We were attacked by a dude on a dragon. Rafe's like, what? A couple of, literally just yesterday, a man dressed in black with long white hair, or grayish hair, long well, gray hair, I'm sorry, gray hair. White hair, someone else. Long gray hair attacked your kingdom and blasted at your keep, and they're like, well, does everybody die? He goes, no, no. The guards managed to fight it off, but um, some people were injured and we're afraid it's going to come back, so some of us are kind of going out, just leaving the town a little bit. It wasn't a, anywhere near as bad as Nylats was because there's, Rafe had a lot more better organized warriors there. Um, so Rafe hi- rushes home. He gets there. There's been some damage to his keep. Nowhere near as bad. Some of the homes and buildings have ha- taken some damage. There's a few fatalities, but the biggest thing that they run into is Michael. And Michael, who is the um, Stewart, if you will, the, the brother of his fiancée, is injured. And luckily the cleric dwarf is able to help with that. There's some clerics that live there as well, Cleric of Healing and such. Um, but he's freaking out because the dude on the dragon took Michelle. They don't know why. He didn't ask for anything. They just smashed in, grabbed Rafe's lady, and took off. Rafe is now even more furious whoever this dude is, killed my brother and took my fiancé and hurt my people in my kingdom. I'm going to mess this dude up. So, they're gathering up their stuff, their weapons. Which direction did he go? He went to the east. Then we're going to go to the east. They decide they're going to go out and start messing with that. And so, they start traveling and they barely out of town before standing in the middle of the road is the great man, Zoltan. And Zoltan's like, we've got a problem. Rafe's like, you're damn right, we've got a problem. Why didn't you warn me that this is going to happen? Why didn't you help Nilad? He's like, I grieve for your brother. But there are bigger problems. He's like, what could be bigger than this? The Baron is out there, and I understand he has your fiancé. All of them are gone. He's like, what do you mean all of them are gone? Every artifact. All of the weapons, the rings, everything. For the first time since the beginning of existence of this reality, every one of the magic artifacts are just gone throughout the world. I need you to get them back. Rafe's like, I appreciate your, your situation, but I got to go mess up this Baron, dude, because he's got my lady and he killed my brother. And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Our goals are one and the same. The Baron has several of the artifacts already, and he's seeking out the rest. If he gets them all, you will never be able to stop him. This changes things a little bit for Rafe and the homies. Rafe's like, okay, I have to get out there, and I've got to find this dude, and I've got to kill him, and i got to get my lady back, but I'm not going to be able to do that if he has all these weapons and artifacts. So I need to get some as well. So now it's a race. Baron is out trying to gather these magic and artifacts, and Rafe is out trying to get them as well. By the way, it was a black dragon. I think I said that, but in case I didn't, the Baron is riding on a black dragon. And so Rafe is like, okay, so they they kind of go. And him and the homies, I, I don't have another name for his party, I apologize. We're just going to call them the homies. Him and his friends, you know, uh, the mage, the dwarven cleric, Smallsy, Sterling the rogue, Thickaway, and Tabork. All of them are like, okay, there we go. And Michael's like, I, I want to go too. And they're like, no, Michael, you don't know how to fight. You know how to keep the house clean. You stay here, get things building, you get stuff going. I'm going to get your sister and I'm going to bring her back. So they race out there, and they're doing all that kind of business. And they're going around the world. So they're going to go to places they've done before. Now, again, on their earlier adventures, they made a lot of friends and allies in different kingdoms. They saved this kingdom. They helped defy- defeat this bad guy. So everywhere they go, in most areas, they have people who are like, we remember you. You're in trouble. We want to help how we can. We will give you supplies. We will point you in this direction. In this spot, you're in the, uh, the, the continent where the elves are. Group of elves are going to go with you, so they got an archery group, and they have to fight monsters and things to get back these artifacts, because they're spread out all over the place. The problem that they're running into is that occasionally when they show up at these areas, the Baron has already been there. He's already attacked these group of people. He knows where they are as well. Sometimes, when by the time they get there, the Baron has already taken those items. In a couple of situations, they get there at the same time as the Baron. And the Baron, again dude, long gray hair, black robes, clearly a magic user. He's a mage of some kind. He's controlling a dragon. The dragon itself, very big black dragon. They never see Michelle. Like, she's not there. He's not like riding around with her on the back. So he's got her somewhere. But there's times that they fight and they battle over stuff. And in every situation, they're almost always outmatched. If it wasn't for the few artifacts that they have and the fact that there's more of them, very often it just comes to a standstill and if it looks like there's a chance he might leave, the Baron just takes off. He never stays. Rafe wants to go after him, but usually if Baron leaves, that means there's an artifact there he didn't get. Rafe and them have to finish getting that, and then it's a search again. So a lot of times they're chasing the Baron around the world, trying to get these different artifacts. So they, again, with their friends, they've got ships, they're crossing oceans, going to they get to the dwarves. They find out that there's... The dwarven continent is down in the very south of the world. It's literally just, imagine if you would, the Australia of mountains and dwarves. It's just a small continent of its own, very mountainous, right out of the ocean. It's just mountains and rocks. Not really good for farming or anything, but it's the home of the dwarves. They live within the mountains, at least through the northern top of that. The southern part is is even more barren. (coughs) Barren, I just got that. Because that's where they find out, through people they've talked to, that that's where the barren is. The barren has some type of keep or fortress there. That's where they assume that's where Michelle is. After gathering up the artifacts that they have, and with occasionally getting from Zoltan, Zoltan's like, okay, that's it. You've got a bunch of them. He has a bunch of them. There's no more out there. You've got to go get the rest back, but the Baron's the one that's got them. You've got to go whoop him, get your lady, and bring me back my toys. So Rafer, like, okay, cool. That's where we're going to go. Can you magic us there? He's like, no. And they're, Rafe's really, it's the closest he's come to just slapping the heck out of Zoltan at that point. Because he's mad. He's like, I, why not? He goes, I can't directly interfere. He goes, this isn't directly interfering. You're just getting me there, kind of thing. He's like, I can't interfere, and something is stopping me. Rafe's like, what do you mean something's stopping you? He goes, something is blocking me from going there myself. I can't even go. To that continent right now something is blocking me and the gods are not listening to me i've reached out and none of the gods are answering my call neither are any of the other the, re- the other six the rest of the seven i'm not able to make contact with any of the gods or demigods something is keeping me from getting where that is i don't know who or what is helping the baron but whatever it is is powerful i don't know if he's doing it or for something he's working for you're gonna have to get there and take care of this Irritated but understandable, Rafe's like, okay, fine. They get a boat, they start sailing down to that thing. Now luckily they get there. The dwarves are the one area where it's deep underground. The Baron hasn't messed with them at all. The dwarves probably the most well defended position. Again, no one even goes there anyways, because it's all rocks and mountains, unless they're trading, because the dwarves do trade. But they've been there before to get artifacts the first time and they, they know the thane and or the king of the dwarves. And they explain, yes, we know that there is a castle That literally just almost like overnight, I keep waving my arms and you can't see them, just overnight appeared. I mean, it could have been there longer, we're not over there all the time, but our guards just happened to see the shape in the day and they went out there and there's this keep on a mountaintop. And lights and fire and things explode from it regularly in the night. And none of us are willing to go close to it, it's not on our lands technically, better left alone. We're dwarves, we stay to ourselves, we don't mess with it. Rafe's like, fine, can you get me there? They're like, of course we're going to help you. You helped us way time ago with the thing and the stuff and the doom. So, of course we're going to help you. And so, they help Rafe they go through the tunnels and such, so they get to bypass a lot of the mountain climbing stuff to the other end. And the dwarves give them some supplies and a guide that gets them a certain distance. But Rafe finally makes his way to the base of this kingdom. So, when they get there, they're like, we don't see the dragon. We're looking around. We don't see him. So I'm not sure where he is. But probably around here somewhere. we got to be ready to fight the dragon. And they start making their way up. And they've got their magical artifacts. And they're ready to go. They're ready to fight and stuff. And as they're making their way up there. Sure enough, the shadow of the dragon flies overhead into the keep. They draw their weapons. They're like, okay, it's in there. We know the, bar- the baron's got to be in there. Let's go beat him up. So they go racing up, up the ramp stairs to the ramparts, if you will. And the doors are literally open. There's a big gate. And they're not like wide open, but they're ajar. Clearly, there's no one guarding it. There's nothing defending it. And as they go through the gate, they're in a courtyard. And on the other end of the courtyard is the dragon with the baron sitting next to him. Not sitting, standing next to him. He's not chilling. He's standing up. And Rafe, angry, she doesn't see Michelle. She's got to be here somewhere steps forward, and he goes, I don't know why you've done what you've done. I don't know why you targeted my brother and why you've taken my love, but it all ends here today. And the Baron just smiles and laughs a little bit, puts his hand on the dragon, and the dragon begins to change its shape. And it gets smaller, but it's still big. And it takes on the form of a large black minotaur. And immediately there's a cry from their group, and they look over, and it's Taboric in shock, because that's his father. Now, if you remember, I mentioned early on that Taborik's father had done something very dishonorable and had dishonored the family, done some bad stuff. So he basically had disappeared. They thought him dead. But he was not. He's clearly become allied with this horrible Baron dude. And and Taborik's mad, because, you know, that's my father, and so on and so forth, and you know, you did this to our family, and you hurt my friends, and you're allied with this bad dude that's caused me a bad day, so now I have to whoop you too. It's the, I have to kill you to even come close to regaining our honor for our family. You're the thing that dishonored the family. I've got to take you out to get the honor back. That's how Minotaur life works. <laughs> and his father's like, oh, trust me, I know how it works. <laughs> so they grow a weapon, and of course, some more creatures come out, some more minions, if you will. Some of them appear to be almost undead husks. Some zombie-like things come out. And there's some more warriors come out. There's a group of them. And everybody draws their weapons. They're about to attack. And then the Baron just smiles and waves his hand. And Rafe and no one can move. No one's moving but the Baron. And the Baron begins walking slowly forward. Rafe can't move. He's looking with his eyes. Nobody else can move. None of the Baron's people are moving either. It's just the Baron. And as he's walking forward, his hair begins to shorten and go darker. And his face almost like melts off like, a, like a, a wet mask. And as he shortens up and he looks, he smiles. Rafe is staring at his brother. The Baron is in fact Nilat. And Nilat says, Brother, I never wanted this. I hoped by taking her, you'd stay away. By keeping her You'd be afraid to be harmed. you just stay out of my way, but you've been hounding me since the beginning. You just don't understand what's going on here. I'm going to fix everything." Rafe can't speak, but he's just looking at his brother in shock and anger. And Nyla taps him on the shoulder and reaches down and starts taking the artifacts from Rafe and his friends. I realized what true magic was when I merged with the gauntlet many months ago. I always knew there was something with magic in me and I'd always wanted to, to somehow be involved with magic and it wouldn't work for me and I didn't know why until that moment. Until it unlocked my true potential and I realized that the reason I can't use magic normally is because I have wild magic in my blood. So Nylat... Is a wild mage. If you don't know anything about wild mage, a wild mage is people that use basically chaotic magic to create their spells, which can have very, very different effects than even what they attend. Sometimes better, sometimes worse, but it's a very chaotic type of magic. It's very unregulated and very hard to control. As such, it is normally outlawed by most different mage organizations. But Nylat, learning that his true potential had been unlocked by that, by the gauntlet merging thing, went out and found ways of doing that and realized how strong his magic could be, because it came from his mother's side. Oddly enough, he always looked like his father. Rafe looked like his mother, but the magic the mother had had came through them. It came through their blood. And that's kind of interesting to the story, but there's no real history to saying why the mother did that, so we're going to move past that. But Nilat's like, I'm going to fix everything. I'm going to bring Dad back. I'm going to bring Mom back. And I know what you're thinking. You don't want them to be zombies. I'm not going to bring them back from the dead. I'm literally going to bring them back to life. And the only person that can do that is a god. With these artifacts all together and with my magic, I will absorb the magic of these artifacts once and for all, destroying them, taking their magic into myself and becoming a god, the new god. And when I do, I will make you a king of this planet. You will rule it for me. I love you. You're my brother. I love you more than anything. You mean the world to me. I'm not going to hurt you or your friends. I'm going to go up there, he points to this tower, I'm going to take these artifacts, I'm going to cast my spell, and I'm going to become a god, and I'm going to fix this world. And all the things, the people we've lost, the people that have been hurt, family that we've lost, we were robbed from time with our mother, I'm going to bring them all back. I'm going to rewrite this existence. I'm going to fix this world so we can have the world we should have had and live the lives we deserve. Rafe in his mind realizes his brother is almost slightly insane at this point. Something's got to be wrong. This is not his, how his brother spoke. That the magic of the gauntlet has either changed him or unlocked something within him that Rafe never knew was there. And so Nilet gathers the weapons. He goes upstairs. Or goes, Starts walking up the stairs to the room. He goes, I leave you here. Watch with my friends. I am going to have to release you from this spell in order to go up and do what I need to do. But I've got your artifacts. I have all of the artifacts. My half are up there already. So I'm going to take these up there. I'm going to cast my spell. It shouldn't take long. I've been preparing for it for a very long time. My friends here will keep you busy until it's done. But remember, when this is done, you and your lady are going to get married. You're going to be basically king of the world, ruling it for me. And then when the time comes near the end of your life, I will raise you to be a demigod. Like Zoltan, you can be with me forever. That's what I'm offering you. So behave. So behave will I go do this magic thing? As Nihilat gets to the top of the stairs and walks in and closes the door, Rafe and his friends are released. All their weapons have been taken. They had all the magic artifacts. They got some basic stuff on them that Nihilat didn't bother taking. He threw some of their stuff on the ground. tobork's father is just sitting there smiling, looking at his son, almost with disgust. Like, ah, you're weak. He's mad. tobork is, by the way. And At this point, you know, they're just going to stand there, and Tabork's father, which for the record, and I have to apologize, forgive me, his name is Kabork. The only difference is there's a K instead of a T at the front. I was trying to make him linked so like father-to-son name, like the letter meant something, but it ended up feeling a little cheesy in the end of years. But again, Kabork says to Tabork, forgive me, son, everything's going to be fine. Once Nylat takes care of everything and changes the world, our honor will be back. It's like nothing happened. We're going to rule the Minotaur Isles. We're going to be fine. We're going to rule all the Minotaur kingdoms. We're, oh, the southern seas are going to be ours. The dwarves on this rock, they're going to work for us. I mean, Rafe gets all the other stuff up north, but I get the south. That's the deal that we made. And you and your mother and you know, everybody will be fine. Tabork, you know, anger, you've, you've taken our honor and so on and so forth. There's an exchange that was very well written at the time, but was lost in the, the water flood that I had in my basement, so I don't have the actual wording now. I feel bad for that. Rafe and them realize we have to do something. We can't just stand here. So grabbing what few weapons they have, they decide to attack. Now their mage and their cleric still have all their spells. They may not have their artifacts anymore, but they've still got magic. So they start twisting the earth, knocking some of the zombies down. The mage casts his fireball, blasting back some of the other minions and stuff. And everybody starts into combat. Tabork just runs into his father immediately and starts fighting hand to fist. And while Kabork has an axe and pulls it out, Kaborik charged him quick enough that he never gets a good swing, they start wrestling. And they all start fighting, and Rafe is punching because he doesn't have a sword, and, but he's a pretty good melee fighter as well, and everybody's doing their fight. Thickaway is just kind of dancing between people, stabbing him with daggers, Smallsius is whipping his blades and taking people out because both of them are really agile. And they're just trying to take it out. And Rafe sees an opening to get up the stairs, but he also sees his friends are being hurt. They're fighting, and they may not make it. And Taboric yells, go stop him. We'll take care of this. Rafe, nodding, runs up the stairs to where his brother is casting a spell. And as he's going up the stairs, he can already feel the waves of magic washing over him. something He's felt magic before. They've been involved in a lot of cool stuff. But as he's running up the stairs, just the energy of magic, it's almost physically pushing him back, like walking against a really strong fan. And he gets up, and the door's not locked. It's jammed, but he managed to bust it open, and he bursts inside. inside of course there's like you know it's not pentagram but there's a design on the ground magical glyphs so on and so forth and Nilat is there and he's preparing the spell and he's got all the artifacts and such around it and he's getting ready to, to do the spell but this thing's pulsating Michelle is chained over in the corner kind of thing and they're all sitting there and or they're standing there Nilat and Nilat's like you just don't give up that's why I love you so, I've always adored about you. It's why I've idolized you my whole life. I wish I was more like you. No matter what happened, you'd never give up. Nothing kept you down. Every time I thought we were done for, every time I thought we just we were we'd say we'd just give in, you always pulled that out of there. I always, always was a little jealous of that. But I also idolized you for it. You're my big brother, and I love you. But I'm gonna have to kick your butt now because I've got this spell to do, and you're kind of messing with my mojo right now. I apologize. This isn't really how he talked. I don't remember the actual wording. I'm just paraphrasing. He didn't use the word mojo. Sorry. Dry throat. So, Rafe, no hand, no weapons, charges in on Nylat. Nylat just immediately unleashes a spell. Flame guts, but Rafe just runs through it, ignoring the pain, and they start fighting. It's a very cool fight. There was a lot of cool dice rolling at the time. Very epic battle. It was very good. But, Nylat is still an amazing fighter, but now he has magic as well. And Rafe, unarmed, without any of his artifacts or anything, is having a hard time keeping it up. Keeping up the combat. Let me change my wording there. Hard time keeping up the com- with his brother in the combat. But he's still getting hits in and such, and Nilat's getting irritating. And with nothing else to really do, Nilat's just finally like, I'm tired of this. And he just, with like a, a push... Throws his brother back against the wall. His brother, Rafe, hits the wall and kind of falls down a little bit. And as he tries to stand, he feels pain as Nilat takes a sword and shoves it through his stomach. Rafe immediately begins to cough a bit of blood, falls back down. Nilat pulls out the sword, sets it, in. it's just a regular sword, it's not one of the artifact swords, tosses it aside. With a wave of his hand, the chains holding Michelle break. Michelle comes running over to Rafe, and they're together. And Nilat said, I'm going to fix this. I'll heal you. I'm still going to make you my kingdom. You're my brother, and I love you. But now I just need you to sit there and try to stay alive until I'm done. And then I'll make everything okay again. I've given you back your lady. She's with you. Go and join your friends. Right now, they could probably use the help, or at least seeing you. They're losing a pretty bad battle out there. But there's nothing you can do to stop me at this point. You're half-dead, and I'm perfectly fine. I love you. Chill out. So Nylat goes inside this thing and begins to, to cast a spell. And the artifact weapons slightly raise off the ground, and are just kind of slowly circling Nihilat as he casts his spell. And Rafe doesn't understand the words. He just feels the aura of the magic washing against him. He keeps trying to get up, but the pain, it's, it's a serious wound. It's a belly wound. Those are painful. He's having a hard time. Michelle's crying, trying to hold him, trying to help him get up. And he realizes that he's not going to make it out of this. He, he's just bleeding too badly. And he, he whispers to Michelle to go to Taboric. And she's like, shake her head, I can't leave kind of thing. He's like, you have to I have to make sure you're safe. It's the most important thing to me. I need you to go. And let me do what I have to do. Crying. Sad moment. There's a kiss. Romantic stuff. Michelle runs out the door. Nylat's completely in his spell at this point. Rafe bleeding. Very, very weak. Manages to crawl his way back up. And as he's making his way towards Nylat, again, he's just stumbling a little bit. Nylat just shakes his head... With a hand, Rafe feels himself push back against the wall again and almost falls. The weapons start to spin faster, Nihilat's magic is going in, Rafe knows that he's almost gone. He can feel the blood flowing down his legs, just pouring out of his stomach, the wound. He's got armor on, but he can feel his entrails like literally just starting to slide out through the hole. He doesn't have much left. With a last burst of strength, he reaches out and grabs the first weapon he can, and it's the Footman's Lance. And then throwing his entire weight against it, he jumps into the spell. Now Nilat had been expecting Rafe to try to come in, but he hadn't expected to try to jump into the spell himself. Like he expected him to try to do something or grab the sword that he conveniently left near him just in case. Because Nilat's smart. He threw the sword down, figured Rafe would try to pick it up, and then he could do whatever he needed to do. But grabbing the spear, it goes through, and the spear, the two men go together, it starts to it rips through Nilat and cuts through him. Through his back and out his front. No, I'm sorry, through his front and his back. Now it's facing him. I apologize. That's important later. And at the same time, the other end, which has blades protecting, cut into cut into Rafe, and the two brothers are almost eye to eye. And they're both just bleeding, and they can feel the energy and the magic, the weapons just all the other ones just start spinning faster and faster. And now that's like I don't understand why you wouldn't let me make it better. I don't understand why you'd rather us both be dead? And Rafe said because I love you so much I can't let you become what I see before me. And the two men hug, basically embrace as they start to fall to the floor because their lifeblood just rushing out of both of them. And as Nylat begins to fade and Rafe falls the spell breaks uncompleted. And in that moment, every artifact, every bit of magic in the room explodes. And the energy just starts to surge out. And this is where we get to kind of what brings the name of the entire story. Because in that moment, existence as they knew it ceases to exist. And the entire universe explodes into matter. In a millisecond, all that exists is gone and just as quickly comes hurling back together and as the world and the universe reforms, chunks of worlds are grabbed and thrown together and hurled and smash up against each other and all goes dark and then there was light the gray man standing on the new world that's been formed. A world larger than any has ever existed. A massive new planet with chunks of every world in existence, every race, every creature, every type of plant, everything that's ever existed, pieces of that hurled together to form a massive new world in the center of this universe, in this existence. Shakes his head. Says, now what am I going to because this new world, this merged worlds, if you will, hence my sneaky name, merged worlds, now exists. And on this world, if this world was flat, it's not, but if it was flat, you got on a horse and you went from one side to the other, you did not just stop to eat, sleep, go to the bathroom, nothing. It would take you years to cross it. It is so massive. Lands that should not exist side by side do. A desert next to a frozen tundra. And in the center where you'd expect there to be a mix A marsh where the heat meets the cold Doesn't happen Solid line of where land meets land Rivers flow out of nowhere And end just as abruptly Water falling from waterfalls that there's no top of People arose Walked out of their homes to find half their city gone Half their home missing Woke up to find they're in a completely different place Than where they started Creatures, beings, people they've never seen before Things they've never even heard of Existing in the world with them and not knowing where the rest of their friends are, their family. If you're out traveling, if you're away from your home, is your home even here? The world that's been created anew is its own specific ecosystem of millions of different worlds added together. Which is cool, because from a Dungeons & Dragons standpoint, it allows me to combine any type of race-class combination that I want. Rules books say that there can't be a Minotaur Paladin. Well, in this world, there can be. Can't be a Dwarven Ninja. On this world, you can be. You want a thrycreen Cleric? Why not? Let's whip in some Dark Sun. I have every world of every type all mixed into one. So I can use any race, class, kit, specialization within this world, and it's justified for the story because it's full of people that now have one of two choices. Do we rebuild and try to rebuild on this new world that we don't know what happened because no one knows? Or do we go out and do we try to find out what happened? Is it possible to fix it? And is there a way home? Are the people that I love still alive? Are they here on this world? Are they back on another world? What do I have to do to get back to the people I care about? Now, what happened to Rafe and Nilat? Nobody knows. No one knows what caused this to happen. And this is where we move into the second generation of the story. The second generation is where a group of unlikely heroes come together to choose option number two. to Find out what happened, what is this world about, what's going on here, and what do we have to do to get back to our friends, our families, and our homelands. And that becomes the true story of Merge World. Is this group of people that are moving forward. Now, that being said, that part of the story is where we're going to start next time. Because that begins a whole another, the main part of the story. And that's the thing. For me, this next section is really the main part of the story. <laughs> the way that I wrote this over the years is Rafe and Nilat were a group of people. Then there's another group of people. The historical people led into the next story. They heard the tales of that people, but they never met them. Each one continues on, different generations. And so the next part of the story tells about the next, the next group, if you will. And what they have to do to try to, you know, I guess, just quantum leap, find their way home, can they fix the worlds? Can they bring back existence to the way it was? Hell, how did it happen to begin with? Because for these people, the world just suddenly ceased to exist, and now they're in this new one. And they don't know why. So on the next story time, next merge world story time, we're going to step into the next phase, which is our next group. We'll go into them. there's a, a, a lot of really cool characters in there that kind of become our, our primary ones moving forward. And uh, it's actually a group of like eight to ten. There's a lot of people, and there's going to be a lot more. Um, <laughs> yeah, the gray man is having a bad day. That's correct. <laughs> that's right, Matthew. Um, but that's, that's what we're going to move into next. Uh, that was very interesting. Thank you, Zeke. I appreciate that. Um, the story is really important to me. Like I said, I've been writing it for a very long time. The point we just got to right there, that was 1995. That's when I graduated high school. And there was some stuff in between, and we get to the next group, and that's going to jump almost five to 10 years later because there's some middle stuff that we'll find out later. But um, the story itself will continue. Um, and again, there's it would take hours upon hours for me to tell all of it. There's so much more. I've, I'm literally scratching the surface. This is the history that a lot of times only like an hour that I breeze over to give you the backstory. I just want to be in a little bit more detail for you guys because it's my chance to truly tell the story and kind of put it out there where people can see it. Um, But I really appreciate everybody coming by and I hope you liked it. I hope you'll consider coming back. I think I'm going to try to do this every other Sunday unless you know, it just starts doing real well, and people really, really want it more often then I might try to do it every Sunday. Um, but I definitely like to do it every other Sunday. I'll probably make it a little bit shorter, maybe just an hour or less than an hour and a half for sure, because um, I know this ties up a lot of people's time. Uh, this video will, of course, be put on my channel almost immediately. Um, so you'll be able to come back and watch it if you have anything. If you have any questions about anything that I said, even game-specific stuff. Hey, how did you build that dungeon? What's that guy's character class? How did that? What weapons did they use? What were their stats? Feel free to put those down in the comments, um, and I will definitely answer the best I can either in the comments, or if there's a lot of them, I may take a little bit of time at the beginning of the next story to answer questions that I had about this one. Um, but I, the, it's going to be up there. If you enjoyed the story, I appreciate it. If you wouldn't, mind, if, you, if you're new to the channel, please click like and subscribe. Um, if you want to share the video on your socials, if you have anybody else who likes d d who you think might be interested in hearing this, um, please feel free to share it to them or send them my way. Um, oh, thank you, James. I'm glad you enjoyed the story. Yeah, there will definitely be a part two. Um, I'm excited about it. There will be a lot more visual stuff with maps, um, character stuff. I have a lot of art and things that we've paid over the years, had people draw some of the newer characters and things, so I'm going to have a lot of those things that I'm going to start uh, putting together a bit better where I can share them with you all so I can bring it up on screen and say, here's what this picture looks like. Um, Who did they actually hurry if he was still alive? Who did they actually hurry if he was still alive? I have to apologize. I'm not sure. Oh, Barry. Who did they actually bury? That was literally a fake out. It was one of his... one of, like, his servants or guards or whatever, he didn't want him to know it was him. You know, because it's his brother. He, he, he was trying to scare him off kind of thing, the concept. And there was a little bit more. There was a couple of, in the battles, where I believe that you know they're fighting and he's like, attack me one more time and I'm gonna kill your girl. Stay away, kind of thing. It was one of those things where he was kind of using her as leverage, and that sometimes caused Rafe to back off. I apologize I didn't touch on that in the story. Um, but the whole thing of taking Michelle was to try to push him off and say, hey... Don't mess with me. I'm going to kill your girl. And he wasn't one to because there's like a sister-in-law. He loves her too. I mean, now it loves these people. He's literally, in his mind, trying to make the universe a better place. Um, one thing you will come across is there's going to be a, a couple characters that are going to pop up that have very common names. There's another Michael. I'm going to tell you that. The Michael, that's the brother. And then there's another character named Michael that is a, a, a very big character in the next section of story. They are different people. I apologize I used the name twice, uh, but I did Kind of separate those michael in the future story is way way cooler and uh, based off a good friend of mine um, so i kind of based him off off the guy that i know so i ended up using the name twice because <laughs> first time it was just a name i used but i really wanted to use in my mind my buddy is as part of this character so i used him uh for the michael in the later part of the story so if you are watching it in the future it is a different michael there are two michaels i don't use any of the other names but i do occasionally bring in known characters from some of the different worlds uh, like Dragonlance Forgotten Realms. You may see names that if you've ever played those games, you might come familiar with them. Clearly, it's not canon to their stories if I've stolen a character and brought them into mine. Uh, if I ever wrote it out, I would probably fix that. Um, but I I always hope to kind of maybe one day put this together as an actual D&D-style module, like a world, where I could you know, Kickstarter it and put out books of here's the role-playing and here's the worlds and the creatures and the races and such. Um but yeah, they, they, buried, they buried just a, a miscellaneous person. Um, and that's why they never saw the Baron fighting with um, Nilat. They just heard signs of battle. It was all a fake out um, because Nilat's a fighter mage thief and he kind of dropped the fighter thief and went primary uh, wild mage. And wild magic becomes very important in the story as we move forward. I love wild magic and there's even some psionics later on. Um, so there's there's a lot of different stuff. If you like D&D, there's a lot of that. Again, I've got pictures of castles, keeps. I've got, I could put up on my wall a map the size of a blackboard that I've drawn out on paper over the years. That's sections of the New World. Um, so there's a lot of stuff like that and more detail of the world that I'll get into. Same as um, I might eventually do little short videos that I'll call Behind the Dice, something about, where I talk about just mechanics of the story, where I can say, okay, here's the classes, here's how they're, you know, custom-made classes I've made, uh, specific type of armor weapons where I can share that with people who want the the real D&D side of the story who aren't, you know, so that way the people who are uh, here for the story aren't seeing all of that technical stuff. So, that being said, I have jabberjad for almost two full hours at this point. Um, And I really appreciate everybody coming by. Uh, And like I said, if you have anybody you think might enjoy this type of thing, please pass it on to them. I'd love to get feedback from you as well as them and anybody who likes it. Um, I will be streaming some more Minecraft tomorrow. Uh, We'll be jumping on probably around 8 p.m. Eastern um, on Monday for our regular D&D stream. So definitely keep an eye out for that. Swing by if you've got some free time. Uh, Again, like and subscribe if you haven't. Um, And a special thank you to uh, my members people who have my memberships. uh, James, I appreciate you being here specifically, as well as Richard and we got a couple of you guys. I appreciate you guys um, joining into a membership and being part of that. It does come with some cool little perks. If you're interested in finding out what comes with a membership, uh, you can just click the little membership or the little join button on my page. Uh, You get some special, if you look in chat, you'll see James got the cool little 20-sided dice icon with a number in it that says how many months he's been a member, as well as the little uh, specific emojis for us. Uh, Most of the emojis I have right now are... um, Minecraft-based, but I'm going to have some more D&D ones in time. Uh, so I'm going to be adding more and more perks to that as we go along. But thank you very much, everybody, for watching today. I think I'm going to call that a day. A fond adieu. And uh, I'm going to... <laughs> yes, yeah, there we go. James posted a couple of my favorite ones. I love the OMG one. My friend Shadowcast makes those. She does all my art um, on my page under other cool channels. She's on there. Uh, Shadowcast art, Definitely click on that. Uh, if you ever need any commission arts or emojis, she does great work at great pricing. Thank you very much, all of you, for watching today. This was really important to me, and I was hoping it would go over well, and I really feel like it did, and I appreciate everybody being so involved. Um, And I really look forward to sharing more of the story with you uh, here in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'll post a a link up to it early, so if you want to set a notification or reminder on there, you'll be able to do that. So I'm going to call it a day. Thank you very much, everybody, for watching. I appreciate it. You have yourselves a great day.